you're about to experience is a free, worldwide, interactive broadcast from Ontario, Canada. We broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Get your questions in. Join the community chat room at www.category5.tv or email us at live at category5.tv. And now, let's begin. Here's your host, Robbie Ferguson. Hey, welcome to episode number 156 of Category 5 Technology TV. If you're wondering what's going on, it is Super Mario Brothers' birthday. Well, yesterday was, 25 years. We're going to be talking about it in just a little bit, but celebrating with them tonight with our non-existent fictional friends. Anyways, we'll leave it at that, but we'll come back to it. Uh, this is episode number 156. It's Tuesday, September the 13th, or so I say. Now, there's not a lot of stuff that would keep me from doing a live broadcast for you here at Category5.tv, but tonight you'll notice that I am alone, and there's a reason for that. I, uh, you know, I've done the show with a terrible cold, I have done it with a cough, and I've made it through, and I always stick it out, because I am all about doing live shows for you. But sometimes, prenatal classes get booked on a Tuesday night, and uh, as you know, my wife is, uh, is expecting our third child, so tonight we are off uh, meeting with our midwife. So, uh, so that's where I am right now in body, but here I am, uh, in thought. So, uh, this is pre-recorded, but it is, uh, just like any other broadcast. This is a brand new broadcast. We're not doing a rerun on you tonight. This is indeed episode number 156. Now, I'm not, I'm not able to join you in the chat room, obviously, tonight, uh, but there are a lot of people who are joining you right there at category5.tv. Uh, just beautiful members of our community who are there to answer your questions, and we thank them for that. Uh, and also just a great place to hang out, say hey, get to know some of the, uh, some of the people who are involved in the Category5.tv community. Uh, we'd love to have you join them in the chat room, Category5.tv. And I hope that you have a fun time tonight. Tonight we have got a lot of stuff going on from the newsroom. I've got a lot of great stories. Automatic is transferring the trademark to uh, WordPress Foundation. Uh, Wi-Fi is soon uh, going to become a lot easier for Linux users as Broadcom has announced that they're releasing their latest drivers as open source. Stick around. Uh, Google Instant is being rolled out, and we're going to be looking at that. Uh, they're making web searching even easier for the novice user and a lot faster for everyone, I think. And, of course, we're going to be talking about Super Mario Bros, who are celebrating 25 years uh, their birthday was yesterday for the game. Uh, also, just to keep it interesting tonight, I do have a, uh, a couple of things that I'd like to give away at the end of the show. Uh, so stick around, and uh, I'll be passing out some freebies, so you don't want to miss out on that uh, tonight, right here at Category5.tv. If you're new here, uh, it's fantastic to have you joining us. Uh, I'd invite you to, uh, if you haven't already done so, register as a registered uh, viewer uh, on our website, Category5.tv. It's free to register, and uh, it gives you uh, some advantages over non-registered users. You get a couple of extra features there, but also uh, it gives us a chance just to know who's watching, and we'd love to uh, be able to say greets to you. Uh, speaking of saying hello, I do have uh, at least one viewer testimonial that has come in this week. I've got one here from Ashley who says, I am really impressed with the help that I get in your live chat room now. Uh, you've improved a lot. Definitely worth watching and gives us a triple plus and five sons. Ashley goes on to say, I remember the time when it was just you and I in the chat room at Christmas time, and I was with you in there asking random questions all the way through till 2 a.m. in the morning. Good old times, eh? Anyways, good luck with the broadcasting. That comes to us from Ashley, and uh, d definitely that goes along with the lines of what I was saying about um, all, you know, always sticking it out with, with the uh, live broadcast. There was once when it, uh, Christmas fell on a Tuesday night. So I ended up pre-recording that show. Uh, we've done it very, very rarely, uh, but pre-recorded that show, um, like, I don't know if it was like two nights before, super, super late at night, uh, but always making sure that we have new content here uh, at Category5.tv uh, and not just throwing you a rerun when I can't make it. So very nice to have you uh, joining us, Ashley. Great to see you again, and I uh, hope that you'll join us in the community at Category5.tv quite often. Ron Moy joins us from Huntington, uh, I, I'm sorry, Huntington, California. Uh, says, hello again, Robbie. Great show as always. I enjoyed your photo manipulation using the command line for resizing an image. Uh, perhaps you can also show us how to script some of those commands to process photos in a directory, resizing, rotating, cropping, etc. 
definitely make a Bosch script or something that would uh, be a front end for that. Would definitely be interested in doing that for you. Uh, so that, uh, oh, so that a bunch of photos can be processed in a batch in order to save time. Looking forward to learning how to add the command to a right-click context pop-up as well. Uh, keep up the great work, and kudos to Hillary for a great show as well from, oh, this is, uh, Kyoshi Ninja. Great to have you here, Kyoshi Ninja, Roy, uh, from California. I've also got one here from TJ who says, hey, Robbie, I've been a GNU Linux user for four or five years now and a viewer of your show for about one year. Uh, it's a great show, and people who are new and want to learn how, about how to use free software, uh, it's great for that. I want to know if, even just once, you could do a show on some more advanced topics, nothing crazy, but a little bit more in-depth than your normal show. I had a couple of ideas that I think would be interesting, such as setting up SSH SFTP servers uh, with chroot jail. Uh, compiling a kernel optimized for your hardware, using GNU screen for terminal multiplexing, uh, or installing Ubuntu with the minimal ISO, and then installing uh, a minimal window manager. Anything along those lines would be really interesting to us geeks, and also maybe for the noobs as well. Thanks for your time from TJ. Gives us five out of five suns. Thank you very much, TJ. And uh, what do you think of that idea, everybody in the community? would love to hear from you. Drop me an email live at category5.tv. Love to hear what you think about uh, maybe throwing in the occasional tidbit that's a little bit more geared towards that advanced user. I could see doing it maybe as like a you know like a five five minute kind of quick segment um, maybe once a show um, so that we don't uh, you know so that it's not too dull because <laughs> we could get into the terminal and we could start going at so much stuff. So it really depends on you know I'd love to hear from more people and see what you think. Live at category5.tv is my uh, email address, uh, and that would be great. That looks like it for this week. If you'd like to submit a viewer testimonial, uh, just visit our website, category5.tv, click on interact and submit a testimonial. That would be great. Okay, so we've got lots going on tonight. I am going to try to get through. Uh, I do have a handful of questions that, uh, that have come in by email at live at category5.tv this week. Um, so I'm going to hit those. Again, I'm not able to join you in the chat room tonight because this is pre-recorded, but the content is new, uh, so stick around. I've also got some stuff to give away at the end of the show. Uh, so I've got one here from Super Carrot. Hello, Super Carrot. His vision is superb. I can imagine. It says, I really don't get to watch your show live too often, but I saw that you were having problems with scanners. Indeed, I recall. Last week. Uh, I think that was Jim's question, actually. So, Jim, listen up. Here's, uh, here's something from Super Carrot, just for you. Uh, I've, uh, I've been there before, says Super Carrot. The answer, whether you're on Linux, Windows, or Mac, is, in fact, a commercial product called ViewScan. Spelt V-U-E-S-C-A-N. It's better than the stuff that comes with Windows, so I prefer it. Here's the kicker right here, Jim. Uh, it doesn't ask any silly questions. It comes with the drivers built in, and so it just works, and works really well. It's not free, but it's a solid fix. Super Carrot, thank you very much for the comment. I'm going to see if we can pull that up. View scan. Here we go. It's, uh, interestingly, it's hamrick.com. H-A-M. R-I-C-K. And there it is. ViewScan is a powerful, easy-to-use program that scans documents. So it's just a scanning front end. But look at this. It supports more than 1,500 scanners. I wonder if we could track down what the scanner model was last week. Now, they've got a couple of builds for Linux, so that's fantastic. like the looks of that. Let's see if they have a compatible hardware list. I don't see anything right off the bat here. But Jim, I would encourage you to, uh, oh, look at this. On the support page, there's a link to supported scanners. So I'm going to see if I can find Jim's email here from last week, uh, where he says he's got the Epson Perfection 3590. Epson, I'm going through this. Perfection 3590, here we go. What does it say? ViewScan support for Epson Perfection 3590. ViewScan works with the Epson Perfection on Windows, Mac OS, and, Jim, Linux. 
Reflective scanning, yes. Film scanning, yes. Document feeder, yes. Windows, Mac, and Linux. There it is. That could be your answer right there, Jim. Super carrot. Got to hand it to you. You're just proving why the Category 5.TV community is just a fantastic uh, thing to be involved in. Thank you very much for that. Uh, and Jim, please let us know uh, if that is the solution. As far as purchasing that software, looks reasonable. Standard edition, lets you do the basic stuff, $39.95. There is a professional edition, which also lets you scan to RAW files, lets you use ICC profiles and color spaces, as well as IT8 color calibration. Likely you're not going to need any of those things if you're just doing kind of home scanning. That one goes for $79.95. So the basic one, standard edition, $39.95 from hamrick.com, H-A-M-R-I-C-K.com. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I am your host, Robbie Ferguson, all by my lonesome tonight, as this is a pre-recorded episode, as I'm off finding out uh, what we need to do when our third baby comes along. It's going to be exciting. Very exciting. We are due uh, in November, so we're coming down to the wire, so to speak. Baby's getting big. Very exciting. All right, let's see what else we got going on here. We're about 12 minutes in. Okay, Gatorman says, looking for something to boost or extend a wireless network. I want to go from one building to another with a distance of approximately 200 feet. The building of origin is brick. The building of destination is a portable classroom. Example, a manufactured home. Uh, have, I've done some research, and most solutions are heavily criticized by users for not being effective at all. The operating system is, of course, Linux. Uh, it's actually Ubuntu 10.04 with a dual boot to XP. I appreciate your thoughts. This is from Gatorman. Gatorman, I hope I'm able to help. Uh, thank you for your question tonight. And if you've got a question for me, just uh, you can send it in at live at category5.tv. Um, so Gatorman, the first thing that comes to mind, now I'm looking at it right now, I can't reach it, and I don't have John here tonight to be able to run over and, uh, and grab something off my shelf for me, but I do have a 15 decibel uh, signal booster antenna, which is SMC connector, uh, so that you basically unscrew the antenna from the back of your router, and you plug and you screw in the SMC connector for the separate antenna. The antenna has about a five-foot cable, and then it has uh, like a almost like a satellite dish-looking thing uh, that provides you a 15 decibel signal boost. I wonder if instead of, I can see it from here. You can't see it. Uh, decibel uh, 802.11 signal booster. I'm just typing that in, hoping that I find something for you. But that's essentially what it's going to be called. No, that's not the one that I'm looking for. Just see if... When I say SMC, I'm talking about the, uh, the connector with the, uh, the screw-on type. So your, uh, your router has to have that ability to unscrew the, uh, the antenna. Most of these days do. Oh, maybe I found it. Maybe not. Nope. But hey, there are lots out there. And this is, you know, version one of, of what you could possibly do. This one here, wireless network booster antenna. That looks like the same sort of idea, but this is a, almost like a, an FM-style antenna as opposed to the, the dish style that I have. Uh, but uh, one of those works okay. Those, that might be the ones that you're, you're seeing that people may have positive or negative um, results with. I've used those. Uh, they're, they're an economical solution. Very, very cheap. Uh, you're going to spend anywhere around 50 bucks for an antenna like that. Uh, and it just replaces the, the built-in antenna on your, on your Wi-Fi router. It's definitely going to give you a better signal, I guarantee you, but it is directional. So unlike the antenna that's built into your router that basically provides the signal in an omnidirectional, uh, kind of all-over-the-place uh, style way, so the, the antenna is the middle point and anything that surrounds it uh, by by a circumference is going to be receiving that signal, whereas one of these boosters quite often are directional, so you actually have to point it at that portable in order to be able to receive the uh, the signal from that portable. So, so depending if there's people who are accessing it from within the brick building as well, 
you may need to have a, a dual antenna set up. You may have to have one for the building, the brick building, one for, uh, like, set it up maybe in a window and have it pointed at the portable, for example, so that the signal can get through. You don't want to have to try to go through brick. Now, if that doesn't work for you, that's the, that's the economical, like, really quick kind of way. The first, <clears throat> the, next thing, the next step I would go to, and this is the professional step, would be to grab yourself an ingenious device. Uh, and let me see what we can come up with. Ingenious is a brand that uh, their devices are designed to, they're just fantastic um, wireless devices. Uh, ingeniustech.com. Let's see what I can find for you. Uh, they do access points. They do all different kinds of stuff. But in your case, because you're going outdoors, you might want to use an outdoor bridge. So here's something, let's see, weatherproof products from Ingenious. Again, these are, these are kind of the, com the commercial professional line of items that you may want to look at. Something like this will probably do well for you. Long-range outdoor wireless client bridge access point that operates seamlessly in the 5 or 2.4 gigahertz frequency spectrum, provides high bandwidth up to 54 megabits per second, and high transmit power, and high receive sensitivity, uh, which extends the wireless. So something like that, that's the EOC 5611P, would probably be ideal for you. Um, you'd have to contact an, uh, an ingenious seller. I'm not sure if you can actually buy off of their website. It's possible. It looks like it's just going to point you to a dealer. So use that website, uh, ingeniustech.com, and, uh, and see what you come up with. And if you're totally stuck, okay, there's the URL there. Sorry for the flicker. We're, we're dealing with a, I've switched over to the laptop tonight. As you can see, it's full widescreen, so it does have other issues that I didn't have before. But ingeniustech.com, just spelled like that, will get you to that website. And like I say, if you are stuck at that point, if you really can't get any further, or you can't find the device that's right for you, uh, pop me an email, okay, Gatorman, live at category5.tv, just as a, as a follow-up. And I, I know some, uh, some gentlemen, actually, who uh, install outdoor uh, wireless networks, uh, as well as large-scale business networks uh, through Wi-Fi. And I could certainly see about getting them on the show uh, to discuss the use of uh, range extenders, bridges, access points, uh, that kind of thing. But I think Ingenious is probably the way to go as far as, you know, they have a vast range of products. They are not a sponsor of the show, so when I say that I'm endorsing them, I'm saying it from the bottom of my heart. I mean it. <laughs> They're just a great product, and, and that would be, if I was installing a network, that would be the first place I would check. Okay? So, hope that works out for you. And I'll post a link uh, in the show notes for episode number 156 to ingeniustech.com. All right, doing it all tonight. Watching the, uh, the email is probably a good thing that I'm not live, because if I was trying to watch the chat room at the same time, I don't know if you've, uh, if you've ever caught the chat room here at Category5.tv. Eric was, uh, was talking to me last week. I was asking him, you know, did you enjoy yourself on Category5.tv, Eric? He said, yeah, I had a lot of fun. It was a great time. He thought it, he thought it was great. So this is good. Maybe he'll stick around. Uh, but one of the things that he commented was that the chat room is just like, it's just fly, flying by. Now, Eric doesn't use the chat. He's never used a chat room before, as he said. And we'll poke fun at him uh, about that next week. Okay? Make sure you do. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, a lot of people comment that, that it's just, it's impossible to keep up with the show in one window and the chat room in another because the chat room is just go, go, go. Uh, I don't know what it's like tonight, but some nights there, we're getting three or four uh, messages per second. So keeping up with it is, is wild, but it's a lot of fun. Especially if, uh, you know, if you are, if you recognize my shirt and you're one of those babies who possibly was around when MIRC uh, was the item. Um, you definitely want to get into our IRC chat room. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you can find us. Uh, our chat room is available, of course, through our website, category5.tv. It's there 24-7, and it's active through the week. And uh, over the past several months, uh, we've been you know, monitoring the chat room, and there are a lot of conversations that go on even during off-air uh, off time. So, uh, so I'd invite you to, to become a part of those conversations, even uh, if you want to sit in, in kind of like a troll mode uh, until a conversation pipes up or you see somebody come in and you want to say, hey, uh, but we encourage that through the week as well.
But uh, if you're not uh, if you're not able to get on through our website category5.tv and you uh, have interest in using an IRC client, uh, whatever client you're using, you can get on to freenode.net. That's irc.freenode.net, uh, and then you can uh, you can hop on over to our channel, which is simply category5, and we would love to see you there. Uh, and it would be our pleasure to have you as a part of our community. Everything here at Category5.tv is provided for free. We are funded by uh, advertising, and uh, we also uh, we appreciate uh, all the donations that do come in here at Category5 Technology TV. Uh, it's it's just incredible that uh, that you know we're able to keep the show going, and and we're coming up on our third year anniversary next week, and it's so it's such a privilege for me to be a, a part of such a great community, uh, and it's just been so much fun over the past few years. Um, so looking forward to year four as well. Fantastic. So all that said, I am kind of glad that I'm not here by myself trying to keep up with the chat room as well. Because it is madness. Madness. Everybody flood. And then my poor moderators are trying to keep an eye on everything. All right, we've got a couple more minutes until, uh, until we hit the news. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get started on uh, installing our uh, application called Hugen. And uh, last week we started uh, talking about uh, doing um, panoramic imaging. I did have a problem with <laughs> with the uh, demo computer at that time. It's an older computer. So this week I've actually switched over to uh, the laptop in hopes that uh, broadcasting from the laptop is going to do a better job for us. I'm not sure because this is the first time we've done it. And it's a little different. I'm actually looking down at a computer screen here tonight. So this this guy right here. But uh, hopefully that's going to work out for us. Hugen is a fantastic application. I've never had any problems with it on a production computer. Uh, of course, when we're working with it in this kind of environment, I'm, I'm capturing what's happening on the screen, transmitting it through, uh, through 802.11 to my network, and then into the broadcast server, which then rebroadcasts it to you. So last week we had a couple of problems. This week I'm hoping not. So let's bring up uh, Synaptic Package Manager. All we have to do is go into... Now, this is in Ubuntu Linux. Keep in mind that Hugen is available for Windows, Linux, and Mac. Here on Ubuntu, all I want to do is bring up System Administration Synaptic Package Manager. That's going to give me my installer uh, program, my front end for apt. And I'm going to type in Hugen. There it goes. And again, I am very sorry for that flicker. I don't know what it is, but I will attempt to fix it. Okay, Hugen, I am marking you for installation. That tells me, ah, you also need all this other stuff. Your list will probably be a lot longer than that. I have a lot of stuff installed. Uh, so this is, this is uh, one of the advantages to Linux, and I think I mentioned it last week, is that if a program needs stuff in order to operate, it's going to automatically get it for you off the Internet. It's going to install it. It's going to make it work. Back in the olden days, if you wanted to install something, you had to pop in the CD, and if it needed something, you know, if you had a Microsoft Office, for example, and you're working on it for two years, and then suddenly you go to open a file format that you didn't happen to install two years prior, it's going to say, hey, insert your disk. We need to get more stuff in order for that to work. With repositories, we don't need to deal with that kind of thing. Uh, this, this application, uh, Synaptic Package Manager, is a front-end for repositories, which basically means it's going to get all this stuff that's required. So not only do we need Hugen, but we also need Enfuse, Hugen Data, Hugen Tools. So I will mark those as well for installation. And it's fairly automated, so we don't have to worry about it. I'm going to hit Apply, and then, once again, Apply uh, when the list has popped up. And that's going to grab all that stuff right off the Internet for me so that I don't have to go out and find it. That's the beauty of one of the beauties. The beauty. One of the beauties, pardon me, of Linux. Changes are applied. Successfully applied all changes. You can now close this window. And we're good to go. So Hugen, the application that we need in order to create panoramic imaging, is now fully installed, ready to go. I don't need to reboot my computer. I don't need to find any disks. I don't need to do anything further. If I click on now, Applications, I'll zoom in a little bit here. Applications, Graphics, you'll see Hugen Batch Processor and Hugen Panorama Creator. And it flickers. That's not my screen actually flickering. I don't see that. That's just the, uh, the video capture. So we'll try to get that resolved for next week. Apologies. But hey. Okay, so 
I'm going to bring up Hugen, Panorama Creator. And here it goes. This should be a lot faster than, uh, than the computer we were using last week. I'm going to blow that up full screen, and I am going to click on Load Images. Because I've, uh, I've got some images that I created last week uh, when I went out to, uh, to create my panorama. Uh, so basically, I stepped out with my digital camera, and I started snapping some pictures right there at the uh, Spirit Catcher. That's Barry's waterfront, by the way. There's one picture. Another picture. Notice I'm just turning a little bit to the left, counterclockwise, and I'm trying to hold my camera in such a position that it's that on its ax that its axis is basically around the midpoint of the lens of the camera. So as I'm turning that camera, it's it's I'm not actually turning my body like this, okay? I'm instead turning the camera like this. And I'm trying to turn it in such a way that it's on its axis. So I don't have my camera here with me tonight. I should have had it. But so if this is if this is my let's say this is my camera, my bring Tim, and this is the lens, the halfway point of my lens is about the axis which I want to be turning the camera on. Uh, so you take your first shot to the far right, move a little bit, keep parts of that image in the next shot, so that when you move, uh, this is, the software will know how to slice that all up. Um, or how to patch that together, how to seamlessly integrate all of those photos together. And you keep doing that until you've gotten about a 180 degree uh, angle taken with those photos. If you go any further than that, then of course you're going to start getting into the you're looking behind you uh, kind of thing. So you're going to get a little bit of distortion. Uh, but sometimes, as I mentioned last week, there are cases where you want that. For example, if I'm doing a full panoramic 360, and I'm going to use uh, a tool to actually animate that, for example, so that it looks like uh, a video camera. Or I can control that with my mouse using uh, like a 360-degree um, JavaScript tool to, to display panoramics. Or if I want to create a light box for Compiz, uh, for example, so that when I, when I zoom out on my desktop with the cube, I could spin it and I could actually see my living room. You know, the box is floating in my living room. I can do that kind of stuff. So here in Hugen, I've got, uh, I've got my images. So these are the photos that I took that day. Let's, uh, let's actually bring them up so that you can, you can see what these look like. So there's photo number one. See how I'm turning just a little bit to the left. And there's always an overlap because there, has to, there have to be points that are recognizable between each of the photos. Now I'm back to number one. Okay, so one. See the overlap? So you're basically just panning around on the axis of your camera and then back to number one. So those are all the images that I took. So that is going to be a seven image panoramic uh, image. So in Hugen now, I'm going to import all of those images. So I've browsed to the folder. I'm going to single click on the first image, okay, holding my left shift key, and then single click on the last image. That's going to highlight all because I've held in my left shift key. The other thing that I could do, and I was just testing there just to make sure it works in this, in this function, uh, you could just single click on any image and then hit control A, which is your, again, uh, select all. So I've done that and that works as well. I'm going to open and that's going to load all of those images into Hugen. So now lens type is going to be normal rectilinear because most likely you're, you're using, you know, the idea here is we're using a home digital camera. Uh, let's see if I can do anything about that, uh, that flicker. It seems to only happen when I'm zoomed, so if I zoom out, you can't really read everything. So I'm going to have to tell you. Let's see. Okay, normal, rectilinear is the standard, image, uh, standard camera. Then you've got panoramic cameras. This is basically the type of camera you're using. A fisheye, a full-frame fisheye, or an equirect uh, I think Gadget Wisdom Guru just threw that in there just to see if I could pronounce it. So, now that that is in, uh, so I've got normal rectilinear. That is a standard uh, camera, okay? Standard camera lens. Now, I'm going to try doing this automatically by hitting the Align button. That's going to create control points based on software. The software is going to try to detect what pieces of those photos match up and based on that information, 
it's going to try to create your panorama for you. Doesn't always work, doesn't always work well, but tonight we're going to give it a try and we're going to see if that's going to work in this case. And if not, we're going to proceed to try doing it manually as well. So in the meantime, while that is running, we're going to jump over to the Category 5.TV newsroom where Automatic Inc., the sponsor of the popular open source blogging and content management platform WordPress, has transferred the software's trademark. Oh, look at that. Get out of my way. There. As I was saying, they transferred the software's trademark to the WordPress Foundation, the nonprofit dedicated, and, uh, the nonprofit dedicated to promoting and ensuring access to WordPress and related open source projects. It's nearly unheard of for a company to donate one of its most valuable assets to a nonprofit foundation, but Automatic was founded in 2005 partly to enable its developers uh, to work on the open source WordPress project full time. The company has figured out a way to remain profitable and still contribute greatly to the, to the uh, open source community as well as the majority of the company work is available under licenses such as the GPL. Of course, the Category 5.TV newsroom uh, website is actually powered by the WordPress platform. You can uh, download it for free and give it a try yourself if you like. It's available for download at wordpress.org. Or if you'd like, if you don't have a server, you can also set up your own free uh, blog using the WordPress software at wordpress.com. Henry Pazinski, a principal scientist in the Wireless Connectivity Group at Broadcom Corporation, announced on Thursday that the upcoming Broadcom wireless driver for 11N chips is being released as a fully open-source Linux driver. The driver supports many of the current Broadcom Wi-Fi chips, including the BCM4313, the BCM43224, uh, the BCM43225, and get this, there is also uh, provided architecture or framework for supporting additional chips in the future. If you've heard that Wi-Fi is difficult to set up under Linux, you've probably been talking to somebody with a Broadcom chip. But those conversations will soon be a thing of the past, as laptop users especially will be impacted by the open source release uh, by Broadcom, uh, as the common Wi-Fi chips used in notebook computers begin to receive full driver support in Linux directly out of the box. This move by Broadcom uh, to open source its drivers effectively means that all major 802.11 wireless drivers have now been open sourced, and the trouble with Wi-Fi on Linux is soon to be a distant memory. Search engines have traditionally relied on the user typing in a query, and then pressing either the search button with their mouse or the enter key on their keyboard. A bit of Russian roulette sometimes uh, would then take, take place, and the novice user hopes that the query that they entered is going to turn up the results that they're looking for. Beginning this past Wednesday, Google uh, began rolling out their most recent large-scale update to their search engine, and it is called Google Instant. With Google Instant, uh, which will in time become part of the entire Google search uh, site architecture. Um, it's a user, uh, well, a user is presented with instantaneous search results based on every keystroke. It's, it's not like the old drop-down style results, uh, which would show you what Google thought that you were searching for. Google Instant, in fact, in fact displays the actual results before you even press enter uh, or press the search button. So uh, in some cases, uh, this could mean that in only two or three uh, character presses, you'd actually get the results that you're looking for. Uh, instead of having to type out the entire query and then press a button. So far, the new feature affects only the, uh, well, actually, it may be a couple uh, now, but it does affect the Google.com main page, uh, but users who are visiting from region-specific sites such as Google.ca for Canadian visitors, uh, you may have to click on go to Google.com at the bottom of the search page uh, in order to get those new features until they're rolled out to your search engine. Mario Brothers! Celebrating a birthday on September 13th, 1985. Has it been that long, the nostalgia? Nintendo released Super Mario Bros., a game that we all played incessantly on our 8-bit Super Nintendo, or just the Nintendo, Super Nintendo. What am I thinking? 8-bits! That's the actual graphics! My shirt is the actual graphics! That was the 8-bit Nintendo Entertainment System. While the character of Mario made his debut in Donkey Kong, you may remember, uh, he was, at that time, only known as Jumpman. 
When Nintendo executives decided to place the character in his own title, the president of Nintendo made a remark about the likeness of the Jumpman character to their then-landlord, Mario Segali. The name stuck, and Mario was born in 1983 with his first release, Mario's Cement Factory. The arcade game Mario Bros. Uh, was released that same year, and then the Famicom game console was released, which we all know by its later name of the Nintendo Entertainment System, or NES. So Nintendo set out to create a game based on their, uh, their arcade hit character, Mario, and Super Mario Bros. was released to the Japanese market on September 13th, 25 years ago yesterday, followed by North America, and uh, actually the following fall, uh, when they did the full launch for the NES system. The game went on to sell over 40 million copies, making it one of the most popular video games of all time. And so, we salute Super Mario Bros. Or is it like, I don't know. They're a huge part of our gaming history. And of course, for those of us old enough to have played it day in and day out, I played it with my grandma. Brilliant times. It's a huge piece of nostalgia and uh, brings back a lot of memories. Happy birthday to Mario. It's our little tribute. The uh, Category 5.TV newsroom this week also includes stories uh, like Google, the walking navigation beta, and Street View is now available for Android. Check it out. The popular RSS aggregator service Bloglines is going to be shutting its doors on October 1st. And HopHog and Silicon Dust announced uh, Alliance for HTPC uh, cable card tuners. They're working together. Hophog is a great name to be doing that. So fantastic. Uh, you can get the full stories at category5.tv slash newsroom. And of course, the category5.tv newsroom is researched by Roy W. Nash with contributions from Gadget Wisdom Guru, Becca Ferguson, and our community of viewers. If you've got a news story that you think is worthy of on-air mention, please email newsroom at category5.tv. This is Category 5 Technology TV. You'll find us online, www.category5.tv. And I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. It's great to have you here. And boy, oh boy, is Hugan ever messing us up today. Gang, I got a confession to make. I don't think the automated assemblage of our photo is going to work today. <laughs> I don't know what Hugan's thinking. We may be missing a, a component or something like that, because that is not normal, but that is, that is art. Brilliant. Let's see what we can do. What I'm going to do, I'm going to say, you know what, Hugan? I don't like what you've done with my photo here. I'm sorry. But that's pathetic. <laughs> that's terrible. So what I'm going to do, you know what? I'm going to say, forget this. I'm going to close Hugan. All right? I'm just going to say, you know what? Okay, I closed out of my preview, and I'm going to go new. The panorama has changed. Would you like to save the changes? Absolutely not. Hugan, you have failed me there. I'm going to load the images again. This doesn't take any time to redo, okay? And let's hop on over. We can look at those images. We can go to camera and lens. Everything was just going to remain the same, normal, rectilinear. But what we need to do is we need to go to control points, and we're going to set up our own control points. So you'll notice the left image is image number zero, SNB, whatever, okay, image zero. It's moving over to the right, it's also image zero. So what I need to do is I need to tell Hugan, well, okay, we need to line up image zero on the left with image one on the right. So now here's my first image, which is zero. Here's my second image which is being called 1. Okay, So now, I need to start tuning that. What that means is I'm going to create some control points on that image using Hugan so that it's able to align that image much more effectively than previously with the automated system. So, what I'm going to do, this is really quite nice the way Hugan works, we want to find stationary objects. We want to find things that are in both images that we can point to that are not going to move whatsoever. We're not going to use a person's head as a point of reference because that's moving. We're not going to use a tree that's waving in the, in the wind. We're going to use stationary things. 
like demon head. Let's try it. I'll click on that section right there. So it's zoomed in on the demon head. Okay. And now over on this image, I'm going to say, well, that's roughly about there. Hugan automatically zooms in and determines that that point is identical to that point. Okay? And it really is. It's, that's pretty accurate. This, this photo on the right is a little blurry. This one's a little bit more, more sharp. More sharp. But there's one control point. So I'm going to add that. I like that. Add. So I've got my first control point, which is Demon Man Head. I know that there's a story behind the demon guy. I'll call him the demon guy. That is the spirit catcher. It's some kind of artistic work of art uh, that has been there for years, since I was a little kid. And beyond that, I don't know the history. Supposedly, it, uh, it catches anything that's dark coming across the water into Barrie. And that's why Barrie is such a peaceful place. Anyways, some form of art. So, I'm going to grab another control point. I'm going to use the bottom of this flower pot. Okay, so see it's zoomed in. It's giving me a nice little close-up so that I can get a real good idea. And then over here, let's grab that same flower pot in the same point. And just, you don't have to be exact because Hugan's going to auto-detect and it's going to say, okay, that's what this point looks like. So compare it. There's one. There's another. Okay, that looks good. I'm going to add it. So keep doing this, and, and do this in a triangular kind of mode. Notice I did, I did one at the top, I've done one down here, and I'm, I'm doing this in such a way that my control points are not on a flat plane, right? They're all over kind of the place. But what happens with the automated system, with that automated um, detection, is quite often it's going to pick up things like clouds or moving objects. And it's going to say, oh yeah, I'm going to use that person's head as a control point. And that is where everything just falls apart because you can't do that. A cloud, for example, that's moving in a windy sky, that's not going to work as a control point. So automatic doesn't always work for you. So back at our, uh, at our photo here, I'm going to keep going. And this can be a time-consuming process. See, I've clicked on another point. Now over here, click on that same point. And I'm basically, what I'm doing is I'm telling Hugan that that point in this photo is the same as that point in this photo. And therefore, it can use those points in order to line up my image. Okay, got another one there. Grab this, and you can actually move that around if it didn't get the right point. Okay, there we go, there's one. And oh, that one's, oh, you see what happened there? Oh. Oh, there it is. Okay, yes, sorry. It, Hugan already selected it automatically. Because what happens is, is once Hugan starts to get a good idea for where your control points are, notice I didn't have to click that second time. It already knew. And so that's what's going to start to happen because now Hugan says, oh yeah, okay, I know what's going on here. Let's, for example, grab the end here. Okay, and if I click on that, there it is, okay. I'll go right to the end. So it looks like that. Now, you'll notice that Hugan has already grabbed that same point over here because now I officially have enough control points that Hugan says, ah, I know my way around this photo. You don't even have to keep going. But the more control points you have, the more reliable. What I'm going to do, just to see what, thing, what Hugan says, I'm going to click on the next image pair here, and then I'm going to go back one. This basically forces a bit of a refresh. And it shows me that I have five control points. It's green, so Hugan thinks, okay, you've got five control points, and I know my way around this photo. You don't have to keep going here. So move on to the next control set. So here we go. I'm going to move on to the next set. I've just clicked the right arrow up here at the top right, and I can start adding more control points. Same photos, see? And probably, in many, many cases, I'm going to be creating the exact same control points because I'm going to be picking the same stationary objects. You want to make sure that I grab the right one of these. It's at the base of the stairs. I'm going to click right there. And there it goes. It's selected it for me. And I'm going to click on Add. And I'm going to keep going. Click there. It zooms in automatically. I drag that around to the corner. And it's, all, it's already said. Oh, I got it. 
let's uh, let's do demon head again. Oh, we can't because that doesn't exist. See, that control point doesn't exist in our right image. So in that case, I can right click on that control point that I tried to create. See, I've created it there. I can right click on it and it goes away. Or alternatively, I could have just dragged it to somewhere that does exist. But I prefer to just recreate the control point. Now it's gone and created one there, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna highlight that and delete. Okay, saw how I did that? I highlighted it from this list and then hit delete down at the bottom right. That gets rid of a control point that I don't want to use. So instead, let's grab the uh, let's grab the end here of uh, of the arm. Okay, and let's see if Hugan detected it. It did on the right image. So now I can add that, and I like that. And I'm going to go forward one and backward one to refresh, and it shows that I have three control points. But Hugan thinks that it has enough information because it's green, and that's because it's triangular. But I tend to like to, I'm going to throw in a couple more control points there just in case. I'm just going to get to the base here. And yeah, see that? Okay, what do you, what do you notice? Okay, well now that is outside of the photo. So, okay, that's not fair. Let's try that again. I I'm going to delete that control point because that doesn't fall within the photo. Be careful of that because you notice what I just did there. I clicked on a point on my left image that doesn't exist on the right image and so then there's going to be a problem because Hugan's going to try to detect a place and it's going to completely skew your image. It's going to completely mash it up. So let's take a look. Uh, let's get you know one or two quick more control points. Find another stationary object. I'm going to grab, make sure it's available in both. I'm going to grab this corner here. Okay, so I've grabbed this corner. See what Hugan says. It didn't grab it, so we know that it's, it's not quite ready yet. So there we go. I've got the corner in both images. Now let's grab something uh, up here, top of the stairs, where it meets the, uh, the side. Uh, and that's too far because that does not exist in my other photo. I'm going to grab instead here and click, no, okay, let's see, drag that up there and then hit fine tune. Notice what I did there, I moved the right one from down here, I moved it up to about the same spot and then I hit this fine tune button, which is going to just find that exact spot as far as auto detection goes and then I can add that. So forward one, backward one, I've got five control points, still green, we're good to go. Let's give that a go. I'm gonna grab uh, same point, I'm gonna grab that corner there, okay, and grab it over here. Automatically lined up, it looks good, so I'm gonna add that control point. Uh, I still have the tip of the wing here, so I'm going to click on it and it's good. Okay, I'm going to grab, notice I'm not grabbing anything on the horizon because trees, things like that can move subtly. And because they're so far away, I'm not going to probably get the same amount of consistency from those. Let's see what I can get over here. I can still get the bottom of the stairs. There we go. And let's grab that, looks good. And notice how Hugan is already, it's, it's detecting everything very, very quickly now because it's, it's really getting familiar with these photos. It knows its way around. I'm going to grab the bottom of that and notice it got that, no problem. So if I go forward and back, I'll bet it's going to say that it's green. It's good to go. Yep, five control points, it's green. Next photo, we're getting there. We're almost at the end of our image. I'm going to click into that corner here. Corners are great. Corners, uh, straight edges, anything where... Uh, you've got something that is definite. A straight line, if I grabbed a straight point of that curb, chances are I could get the wrong control point because what I see as, a, as the right point might, there's, there's not enough detail in order to, um, to, to find the exact point. Whereas the edge of this bench, for example, it's, it's quite easy to, to see, okay, well, here's the top of the bench. So let's drag this over to where the black part of the bench meets the brown part. And now on the other image, it's, it's really, really easy to see that. Okay, uh, maybe one more control point just to, be, uh, just to be safe. We're gonna find something. I think I'm gonna have to go again with the, with the bench because I don't see any other possible control points in this photo. Other than perhaps we could go with the top right corner 
of this flower pot. And let's see what that gave us. And that is fairly accurate. That looks perfect. So let's see what, uh, what Hugen tells us if I go back and then forward. And notice that everything's kind of in a straight line, but I have made sure that there's up and down, left, down, and up. There is that kind of, there, there is that difference there in, in not only width, but height. So I'm going to trust that. I've got five, uh, and we're going to go with that. I would probably have added a couple more control points to that one, but because we are limited for time, we've got about nine minutes left of the show tonight. I'm going to try to get through this, and we're going to really hope that Hugen does a nice job of this panorama. There we go. That looks good. I'm going to grab again. Oh, I can't grab this because it doesn't exist in my other image. So I'm going to get rid of that control point. So I need to highlight number two and delete. Okay, I do see the top of this garbage can in this photo, so I can grab that. Notice I'm grabbing the corner because that gives me a lot more detail than if I went in the middle like that. Well, it's green. It could be there. It could be there. Really hard to tell. If I go with the corner, and notice I'm staying inside. I'm not going outside for the corner because that's sky, and sky is, is a variable. We want to go in, inside of a static object, fine-tune, because I had moved that a little bit, and then add that control point. One more on the bench. There we go. Hugen is already detecting um, the, the points. Notice I'm grabbing a piece of the trunk. I'm not grabbing some of the leaves because the leaves are no doubt rustling in the wind. Forward one, back one, and Hugen says I've got five control points. It's green. We're good to go. Next up, throw in a couple more control points. Let's see what happens here. I think this is our last set of images. There we go. Add that. I don't have that corner anymore, so I can't go with that. I still have the garbage can in both images. There we are. Let's start using the fence. It's another static object that's not going to move. There we are. I'm also going to grab the bottom because I like high and low. Uh, we need it to be somewhere that's static. Probably be safer to use the edge of the garbage can here because this is looking a little bit jumbled with grass and stuff. So I'm going to grab this little rim of the garbage can. There it is. Fine-tune. It doesn't think that it's got it, but it does look like it does. So that's fine. One more control point on the, uh, on the bench. There we are. Move forward and back. Control points. I've got five and everything looks good. So I'm going to jump over to uh, let's see, there we go. Okay, so I'm going to optimize that. I've, I'm just kind of going through the, uh, the list here. I'm going to optimize just using the basic features. See what happens. It's grabbing all the control points that I made. Do I want to apply the changes? Yes. All I did was hit optimize now. And now let's see what, uh, what comes up. So if I click on Preview panorama up at the top there. Fingers are crossed. That is looking a lot better than what we were seeing there before. There, there needs to be some straightening done here, obviously. This is where more control points is going to be a good thing. But you'll see that the images are almost lined up. I want to straighten which hopefully is going to do something for me. And of course, I wish that it had come out absolutely perfect the first time around because of the fact that we're just about out of time. I've got about five minutes left of the show, and I've still got some prizes to give away. Um, so with Hugen, you can see how this is working. Uh, you are going to be able to uh, tweak your settings with each of your... Uh, with your uh, control points. If you're not happy with, if the control points are not giving good results, you see that now it's telling me that the control points are not actually doing very well. So I think we may need to, uh, to re-optimize that image, add a couple more control points. Uh, let's see, incremental, yeah, everything else looks pretty good. 
stitching is uh, using the default settings will usually do a pretty good job for you but uh, everything is about tweaking with uh, with Hugen but I'll just say now I get some fantastic results but usually when I'm working on a on a panorama of professional scale I'm gonna take uh, quite a bit of time adding multiple control points tweaking the optimization really getting it cleaned up um, and then rendering it with the uh, with uh, with Hugen once it's rendered let's see here what I can do we can go into photometrics which is what crashed our system last week and it, it's not crashing it here but we do still need to straighten out that image a little bit so we'll need to fix that up but what I'll, what I'll say is that uh, with the short amount of time that we have it's hard for me to, to now straighten the images but uh, Hugen's website is a fantastic resource it's not just a website uh, to get the software it's also a resource of information uh, the documentation is fantastic there are a lot of great tutorials at Hugen H-U-G-I-N dot sourceforge.net and uh, when you're there make sure you, you browse through some of the tutorials and I, and I say that absolutely honestly because this is it's vast the amount of information that's available on Hugen's website is incredible and it's going to teach you not only about using the software and creating panoramas using Hugen which is available again for all major platforms so even if you're not on Linux you can get it for Windows or Mac uh, but this website not only provides the software but the tutorials are going to really help you to learn how to create professional looking panoramas using a standard digital camera so you're able to get a, uh, you're able to do a lot of neat stuff um, so I'd recommend that you check that out we're pretty much out of time tonight so I want to tell you a little bit about nanodots and nanodots uh, you can find out all about these guys I'm gonna show you these down here <clears throat> I haven't even opened this yet I wanted to open this with you here these <coughs> pardon me are super powered magnets and what's what's kinda neat about them if you can say that it's neat is that it's it's, it's it's like the old school days when when toys didn't have batteries you didn't need batteries to have a toy like that a game or or something that's you can have on your desk to play with or whatever uh, there's no internet connection required with nano dots and it's just a, a cool little thing so I'm gonna I'm gonna see what this thing looks like let's uh, let's actually open this up and I've got a few of these to give away let's see oh there we go pop there we go. We got some instructions here, which uh, no doubt is going to show me some fancy, fancy tricks. Oh yeah, things that I can create with nano dots. No batteries required. Now I should say that uh, if you have small children in the house, uh, dogs, pets that may eat small things, make sure that these are absolutely nowhere to be found for them. Uh, magnets can be very very dangerous uh, when it comes to small children anyone who may swallow them because magnets will uh, connect to each other within your within your intestines so uh, so Carrie would say as the nurse that she is she would tell me to, to tell you I, I guarantee you so make sure that if you have kids or, or an small animals that uh, or any animal that this does not see them here we go Fortunately, floppies are not an issue anymore. There we go. It almost matches my shirt. So this, these are literally, holy cow, they are super strong magnets. But super cool. You can do some really, really neat things. And what I'm going to do, wow, these are strong. See, I've never actually touched these. I've just kind of seen the videos. But these are really kind of cool. As, as my shirt as a backdrop is probably, wow. Just to give you an idea. <laughs> So I'm going to pull up a website here, and I'll invite you to go over to cat5.tv slash nanodots. Whoa! They're wild. And on that website, there is everything from videos about how to use them. There are tutorials. And the, the kinds of things that these guys, that, uh, these people that are, uh, have been using them for some time are able to do are just absolutely incredible. Uh, and you're able to make some really interesting things. But it, it's fun. And it's a neat little thing. So, this is what I made tonight. How do you like that? It's a puss. It's a puss. But I would love to send you a set of nanodots, 216 nanodots to be precise. So what I'll get you to do is visit cat5.tv slash nanodots.
And when you're there, make a note of the toll-free number. And I want you to email that along with your email address, your name, and your mailing address so that we can send you one of these uh, to nanodots, N-A-N-O-D-O-T-S, at category5.tv. So that's all you have to do. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be giving some of these away. Uh, so check it out, nanodots, cat5.tv slash nanodots. Hope you have a fantastic week. Don't forget, next week we are going to be celebrating our third anniversary. So there are going to be some familiar and, and wonderful missed faces, loved people here at the studio. So uh, don't miss out. Make sure you join us uh, for episode number 157 of Category 5 TV next week. And we will see you, uh, we'll see you then. Have a wonderful week, and uh, I'll talk to you on Tuesday night. See ya.